Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carl Shoshan, the Sunday post-game lines edition. We, we can't keep calling this an emergency podcast, can we? Sure. Sure, why not? It's always an emergency. Well, it's always an emergency, right? So, no. The Sunday, how about the special edition Sunday post-game wrap-up? Okay, we'll figure out the name of this uh, this later. All, all you need to know is that I'm here, Sean Windsor. Carl's Mars is here. I should have put his name first because he's always first. And what was an emergency, uh, maybe, what might have been an emergency if they'd lost Carlos to the Atlanta Falcons. The Lions end up winning 20 to 6. They go to 2 and 1. They go to Green Bay. You will be there on Thursday night, along with, uh, you know, half the other free press staff, I would imagine, right, to cover. The next biggest game of the of the of the next hundred years, and uh, they have a chance to go to three and one. So, what did you see today, Carlos, from the Lions? The way they responded after the loss to Seattle last Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a bounce back game. I mean, that's what uh, Dan Campbell mentioned after the in the post game press conference, and definitely a defensive. Uh, it was the flip. It was the opposite of what we saw against Seattle. Was this was a a defensive game? The defense played really well for the Lions. Uh, pretty much shut down Bijan Robinson. Um, they had they came up with seven sacks, two from Aiden Hutchinson. Brian Branch, the rookie defensive back, came up big with I think some like eleven tackles. I want to say and three of them for losses. Three of them for a loss. I mean, just a fantastic game, just very solid. They did well. I mean, they just uh, they did what they needed to do. I think I think they responded well to to Campbell and the coaching staff imploring them to play better. He called it uh, some some undisciplined play last week, and he talked about the team needing to rely on its most reliable players. And I think it showed up. And they really th- this game could have kind of gone any way, Sean, in the second half. And the Lions steadily kept doing what they were doing. Um, they were patient. It wasn't the best offensive execution game, but they did they stuck with their game plan. And Jameer Gibbs played better late on a decisive drive. And uh, this is the kind of game that not as exciting maybe as you want it to be for fans, but they they never let the Falcons get too close and they pulled away and salted it away pretty comfortably. This is what really good teams do. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to always win by that much in the NFL. So give them credit. Good sign now. They got a really short week before they go to Green Bay, and Green Bay is not looking too bad. They won today um, against New Orleans, so it should be it should be a pretty good matchup. I didn't see that final score. They came back because they were down early, right, by a couple of touchdowns yeah, at least. Seventeen nothing at one point. Yeah, yeah. So that's not going to be easy at all. Let's just a few things about this game. First of all, the I mean, we could start on either side of the ball, but they were missing a lot of players, right? Some some key players. They're starting safeties for one. And uh, and Kirby Joseph will be back at, at some point. Uh, Gardner Johnson, C.J. Gardner Johnson, maybe. I mean, they kind of left the door open for late in the season, but he's going to be out for a while, right? So they had uh, you know, Tracy Walker back in there, and and um, I thought you know he he looked fine. He had a couple of ch- two chances. I want to say at picks, but 
But to your point about uh, it, it started up front, right? It really did. They, they pressured. I thought they got after Desmond Ritter all, all game, and uh, obviously they shut down the, the gap. The gap discipline, which you were talking about earlier, was pretty impressive on the run game. But just before we get to the offense and the, what they had to overcome there with the offensive line injuries, <laughs> Brian Branch, man, uh, what, what, what do we want to call him? I mean, I guess technically a nickelback. He kind of he, but he and he kind of lines up all over the place. How in the heck did this guy slip to the second round? Is is it are we, is, is it just because of combine times of, of forty times? Maybe he's a touch undersized. You know, you, you you read you read stories and people raved about what he did at Alabama, but this guy has a and this is so cliche, but you know, Campbell and Holmes and a lot of coaches love to talk about football players, whatever. What they're really saying is they understand the game, right? They can process the information quickly and then get their body to go where it needs to go off of that fraction of a second of making a decision on where to go. And that's what you really mean by fun. Sometimes you can mean toughness, whatever, play through pain. There are various other things with a football player. But that guy's got a microprocessor that just whirs in his brain, and it takes him all over the field almost a step ahead of a lot of other people because he's not physically overwhelming in his gifts, is he? Well, Sean, uh, I think on one pass breakup, I think he had two on one. He jumped about 12 feet in the air. He probably could have dunked in full pads. So he's got some physical gifts. But I think, you know, there's no nickel back in the, who's going to get drafted in the first round. He's drafted in the second round. So, yeah, I mean, those kind of guys, they move around. I mean, the Quandry Diggs of the world, you know, he's, he's I don't know where he is. Is he a cornerback? Is he a safety? You know, when you don't fit a little mold, when you're not a— Six foot one, four three outside cornerback, you're not going to get drafted in the first round as a as a defensive back, probably, or a big hitting safety with a lot of picks, you know. So yeah, you don't quite fit the mold sometimes. Uh, you slip a little bit. So slipping into the second round is not the worst thing in the world. But yeah, he's he's fighting a different level. Um and it it looks he's precocious to to this probably the best word is he just knows the game he has a feel for it an instinct um, he had a late big hit on Bijan Robinson I think it was and he knocked his helmet off and and after in the locker room he said yeah use the word that we can't use here but he said it's okay I'll I'll take the I'll take the flag the the personal foul flag and show that I'm not scared to hit somebody. And that's what's impressive about him is he can do it all. He can he can defend. He can run defense, pass defense. Um, you know, he just he just has a nose for the game and where to be. He has enough size, enough speed, enough uh, mobility, jumping, whatever you want to say. You know, if the guy stays healthy, you know, I don't know. You know, the the, the defensive rookie of the year stuff. Usually, you need stats, you need picks or something or sacks. So, so he may fall short there. But people can start talking about him, and they're going to have to start game planning for him probably. Absolutely, it's not going to be a shock at all if he wins Defensive Player of the Week, right? Right. And it might not. I mean, he might. I mean, who who, who knows? I mean, eleven tackles and three of them for losses, and he's he's really fun to watch, and he's something to watch on the other side of the ball. Real quickly, with the you know they were missing Taylor Decker. They were missing uh, uh, Vitae. They were missing, well, they weren't missing, but they lost um, Matt Nelson to an ankle injury. And then they lost there's a John, uh, Dan, sorry, John Skipper. I don't, I don't know why I'm thinking John. Dan Skipper, who didn't play very long for it, he had to go out. And then they finally bring in the rookie. Um, uh, Kobe Sorsdahl. Sorsdahl. And uh, I can't remember what Campbell's, Dan Campbell's nickname for his, for him, <laughs> for him was. So, yeah, no, they were thin, but, but, just think of a branch. They've got another second rounder from this year's class who 
plays similarly heady football, and I know heady is a, can be a loaded word. <laughs> we use it in the wrong wrong circumstances. But look, uh, Sam Laporta is also athletic and has NFL gifts, and he's he can really really run for a tight end. But that's not what makes him special. You know, he's athletic and, and got good speed. But why don't you describe what you think makes him special? Because he looks like, as Jeff Goff said after the game, a stud. And by the way, when Goff was asked, when did he first notice? He said, oh, the first day of OTAs. Yeah, uh, come on. I mean, sure, he looked good probably when he first met. What's he going to say? Oh, I don't know. The I think it was the 11th uh, OTA practice sometime. You know, yeah, he just means early on he could see that he's he's smart. He knows where to be, what to do, doesn't make, I mean, what Campbell says, he doesn't tend to make the same mistake twice. He earns your trust. And as a receiver, as a pass catcher, that's what you need is you have to earn your quarterback's trust. And if you're doing what he needs you to do, at one point in the game, Goff was frustrated. It was, uh, I think it was like third and long and midway through the game or something. And he needed his guys, maybe specifically one guy on the outside to go deep, to run a deep route because they had, it was third and long. And I think time was winding down or something. And he was, he needed to throw deep and the guy didn't. And so he was kind of mad pointing to like, you need to go. Um, and there was nobody deep for him in, when he looked to his right. And that's the kind of stuff that frustrates a quarterback is if you're not on the same page and especially if you've talked about it and he tells you, you need to go here, you, we need you here. Um, and that's what they, everybody says about um, Campbell, I'm sorry, not Campbell, Laporta is that, he does. He he learns quickly, and he gains your trust. Uh, coaches trust, quarterbacks trust, um, and then he makes plays. So if you can trust a guy and he's going to make plays for you, that's what's going to lead to some of these. Uh, he had a really long uh, touchdown catch. I don't know what was it, forty five yards? yards? Yeah, um, really well. You know, designed play by Ben Johnson, by the way, looking like he's going to throw it short to to Amon Ra and then suddenly turns to his right, chucks it downfield and there's nobody around him. So um, that's the kind of stuff that that leads to a lot of success and, you know, great offense. And Laporta definitely has it, tight end, by the way, is a tough position. You're asked to do a lot and the learning curve is generally pretty steep. So t- to be seeing this kind of promise from him right now is really good for the offense. Yeah, he set an NFL record. I don't think any rookie tight end has ever had, what, 15, 16 catches, at least five catches in his first three games. I think that's the that's the record on that 45-yard touchdown. That was a, you were great, a, right, a great design by Ben Johnson, but it was a double move, if I'm not mistaken, by Laporta on the route. He kind of was cutting left at one point in the middle of the field. You can see the safety coming over, and he cut right. And then all of a sudden, from there on, there was nobody around him. So it was just a... It was a great design and well executed all the way around. And and I actually do believe golf when he says first day of OTA is only because I was around and I remember he instantly started creating buzz with some of the catches he was making. And this was without pads. Right. And I remember actually writing about it. You could just – he was the one and then Branch was the one. Those two – you he, saw it, he, so you saw it. No, 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 no. First no. OTAs, you saw it. No, but we got to watch back there, and you'd see, you'd see golf or whomever toss one to him in the corner of the end zone. And he'd go up and high point it and grab it in, tra- in traffic. Again, no pads, but you could just see the physical skill and the talent right away. You could see the hands, and there was no wonder there was buzz. And it's not an action that the branch is the other one people talked about immediately. Sometimes these things don't work out. Sometimes they don't flame out. But the two guys that created some noise right away are the two guys that are really starting to show up in the season. And, and, you know, sometimes it works out that way. I'm with you, though. Overall, I would say the buzz wasn't quite here to start the game. It was more of a, hey, 
we gave you all that last week. Prove it to me. We'll, we'll get we'll get loud, but but you know it wasn't it wasn't. Did you feel like it was buzzing in quite the same way to start start the game? I I didn't think it was, but it did get really loud. Yeah, I mean it's I mean there's no comparison. I mean last week was the home opener, and they're coming off that huge win in Kansas City. Of course, you know it's the most hyped season in a long time. Uh, I I would not expect them even if they'd won last week. I wouldn't expect it to be as loud this week. Um, it's just it it's natural. Um, so, but it was still. There were a lot of people here. It was in the, again, the attendance in the 60s. Um, really good crowd, a lot of energy. And this was not a game that there was a lot of, I mean, offense is what generates excitement. Um, but the defense did play well. And I think it, that gave the fans a lot of cause to be loud and to cheer and try to disrupt the the uh, Falcons. So um, it, it had good energy. And I think that's the Lions, and, and Campbell mentioned it too, is, you know, we had to kind of give the pay the fans back a little bit for the disappointment last week. Um, so it's good he's aware of that, that it's not like, hey, we're just in a bubble. Whatever. He said something like when your ears kind of reverberating, you know it's really loud. And it got really loud um, sometimes, in the, like we said, because the defense, the defense made some really spectacular plays. And at the end, Aiden Hutchinson with the forced fumble, fumble recovery. And, you know, they uh, the branch hitting somebody on every drive. Is he making some kind of big play? Yeah. And that, by the way, the one distinction in, I think, camp and OTAs and all that was the one thing, the difference between La, uh, Laporta and Branches. We kept hearing about Branch every single day, every time. We, you and I, Sean, were not at every practice, but Briquette was. And with his observations and every single time he had to mention something about Branch, something that Branch did. And it just was consistent. Laporta played well, too, but it wasn't. You didn't hear about highlight after highlight. And it's not always about that, but just you couldn't ignore Branch. You know, so and you see him out here, and you can't ignore him. You have to be aware of where he is. I think with someone like him, um, the more he sees, the more game action he sees, the more he studies, the more reps he gets, he's just going to become more dangerous. I mean, you're going to start seeing some picks from him. And you saw that one in Kansas City, kind of a, a fluky one. You know, really made it off of his physical skill, um, the hand-eye coordination. But I think he's going to set himself up. They, they'd be smart to scheme some stuff up, draw some plays up for him to be in position to, to get a pick. Um, so that may, we may just see, be, be seeing the tip of what he can do, but certainly this defense, give him all the credit. Uh, I was a little hard on them this last week and saying that they needed to be more disciplined because that's what it, Campbell was saying. And it was true. And it really paid off. And this is this is a good Falcons team coming in 2-0 with the really strong run game that they shut down and they made Desmond Ritter look pretty bad. So, Credit to them. Now they got to go to Green Bay, where typically they don't play all that great, although they're coming off a, a really strong game last year. So if they can channel those vibes again, it may look good for them going to three and one. Yeah, that's the uh, the key. The, the, the last thing I would say about about today's game, about Sunday's game, is that they were, you know, they were supposed to win the game. You say, okay, well, according to whom? Well, they were you picked them to lose. So did I. I, I did. Well, they 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 were they were favored by to, they were favored to win the game. And I picked them to lose not because I, I just thought all the injuries might catch up with them and Atlanta had been on a bit of a roll. And you know what? I was wrong. The Lions, uh, and apparently so were you. The Lions showed something. And Campbell after the game said, "Look, it's something we didn't play hard against Seattle. We did, but today they played." Uh, he used the word violence a couple times. I know he likes to use that word some, sometimes in, in relation to football, but with focused violence and in a different kind of level intensity. L last week, the crowd brought it. This week, I felt like they brought it. And uh, 
organiz, this organization, Carl's, has not been able to say this very many times over the years. You know, we played fine. We had a lot of injuries, but we still controlled the game and won the game, and that's what good teams do. I, we'll see if they end up being a good team or not. It's still a little bit early, but I thought that was probably the most promising part of the day. The other thing, just real quickly, big picture, we're talking about Laporta, and we're talking about Branch. You mentioned Gibbs, who looked pretty good late. Started to find his rhythm a little bit. I think uh, Campbell and the staff is convinced he's just going to get better and better. We will see. Jack Campbell made a couple of plays. But you think about this rookie class and then some of the guys they've got in the last two classes. You know, uh, the Seattle Seahawks went on their run a decade ago or whenever that was by putting together and almost most great teams do this. And you just unless you get lucky and fall into somebody like Mahomes, although Kansas City's got a good GM too. If you go out and put together two, three consecutive draft classes where you get not just starters, and and but also some difference makers within those starters, you can start com- consistently competing for a playoff game. And to me, that's what I would take out of this these first three games, even though they lost, is that they look like they've got legitimate young players that are starting to percolate all over the place. Yeah, and that's, that's what the promise is, is if these guys uh, live up to the promise and progress and stay healthy, you know, that's an important part too. But um, yeah, that's... There's no question that 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 is what championship teams do or or championship caliber teams do. Um, You know, let's not forget this, too, is they lost last week, but they lost in overtime. They were probably a coin flip away from winning and they didn't play great. So I think Seattle is going to be a decent team. I think they're going to be right there ready, you know, close to a playoff spot or wild card. They'll be close. They're not going to be a bad team at all. They're not a great team. They're they're a good team. And we're talking a coin flip away from the Lions being 3-0. So it's not like they got handled last week and see, against Seattle or whatever. I mean, they, everybody expected them to win, but they, they didn't, but not by much. They'd lost by a little bit, So and they didn't play well. So I think that's the kind of thing where you look at the, whole, the, the big picture that way, and there's a lot of promise with this team. And this kind of game, this very you know, disciplined, let's do it this way, let's stay committed to what we're doing, um, be physical, get, fight through the injuries, and still salt that game away and win very comfortably uh, against an undefeated team coming in. Um, that says a lot about this team. I think it says it says a lot that they screwed up last week and almost won, and it says a lot that they came back, bounced back from that, and won easily this week. So they're 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 doing what they're supposed to do. Um, the test will be in Green Bay. That'll be, you know, another primetime game. I don't know. Well, we're going to see. Maybe this team's built for primetime, Sean. Maybe it's a, you know, they're, 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 play, they're supposed to be playing in the lights or something. That's a, we'll see how their, their record continues. But, uh, yeah, very positive. And maybe they'll get some. The other thing we can't forget is David Montgomery. That was another thing is losing him for this game. That run game looked different. You know, Jameer Gibbs had, like I said, that one nice series at the end. Um, otherwise, he wasn't, he wasn't as... Uh, he, that run game was different without him. It didn't function the same without Montgomery. So I don't know if he'll be, he has a thigh bruise, Montgomery. I don't know if he'll be ready to come back this week, but um, that's a little bit of a concern is what can they do? Um, Campbell seemed encouraged that Gibbs will feel his way through it more as he gets more reps because he hasn't been the lead back, but he had to be this week. Um, that could be true, but we'll have to see how he progresses because they, they do need to r- rely on the run game um, a little bit more, I think, to help their offense. No, I agree completely. I mean, the offensive line being, being banged up, I, I don't think helps either. With Gibbs, Montgomery might be able to overcome a little bit more of that himself just because of the style. And I'll be curious to see what they do with Gibbs. You know, I, and I wrote this in my, my instant column that 
that Gibbs, uh, they've been they've slow rolled him out with the n- number of snaps he's played. And now that Montgomery's gone, that also hinders a little bit how they want to use him. In fact, you know, every time he tried to leak out of the backfield as a, as a, a route runner from the running back pos- position today, Atlanta was smart. They came up and jammed him because they can do that or just hit him because you can do that, because, right? Because the running back is going to go block. You're not allowed to do that the same way. You can jam a receiver at the line, but it's not quite the same. You can't just get a running start and go hit the receiver like you could Gibbs today. And that was a smart play on Atlanta. But anyway, when Montgomery back, comes back, I think that will allow Ben Johnson and company to f- to feel and sort of experiment and figure out where they can use him and get the ball in space a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A football cliche, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, Thursday night at Green Bay, my, my man Carlos Menares will be there. Dave Burkett will be there. I think Jeff Seidel will be there. So uh, we, we, should, we should have... We should have y'all covered. To me, it's a big game. It's a chance for them to go to three and one. It's been a while since they've started three and one. That will feel a lot different than two and two, right? Now it's a road game, and Green Bay's shown themselves to be kind of tricky so far, even without Aaron Rodgers. But uh, no, go get that game, and now you're, uh, you know, smoking diesel. Yeah, it's a division game. It's a so it's a big matchup. It's a chance for them to to, to you know put a win up on the in the division count. Uh, standing so and it's a prime time game so it's fun to see how they're going to respond and i think this will be their third straight prime time game if they're going to win it so uh they're they've won two of their last right they won last last year in green bay season ender and then they won the season opener in prime time so maybe they're just a prime time maybe we can call them start calling them uh, team prime now how about that Team Prime, I love it. All right, uh, for Carlos Monaros, this is Sean Windsor with a uh, Sunday night edition of Detroit Free Press Sports with, uh, God, do I have to say our names again, Carlos and Sean? Check out Freep.com for all the coverage from uh, all the folks that are at Ford Field, uh, bringing uh, every little item you ever want to know about the Lions, and then more, and Carlos's opinions, of course, which matter more than anybody else's. All right, we will talk to y'all later this week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.